0: just having business data isn't enough. But ZoomInfo leverages that data to unlock useful insights like who to reach and how to reach them so you can grow your business. Unlock insights at zoominfo.com. ZoomInfo, how business goes to market.
1: Welcome one, welcome all to the greatest show of them all that's right it's the NFC East mixtape brought to you in part by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky go to RighteousFelon.com his discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order no RJ Ochoa here with me as you can tell starting it off solo because RJ decided he's too good for me too good for you the listeners the mixologists if you will and went to Las Vegas to cover the super bowl between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys oh wait that's right the Cowboys aren't in the super bowl hmm weird anyway still have a great episode for you today and in spite of RJ really because look i will admit that i have missed more mixtape episodes than he has to his credit he's usually always here but when i'm not here i make a big effort to let him know beforehand and then check in and make sure he has a replacement lined up for the show. You know, because I actually care. I'm invested in the show. RJ decided I'm just going to the Super Bowl and Brandon can do whatever he wants. He can even not record. It doesn't matter to me. That's what he said. So I said, you know what, RJ? I'm not going to let the listeners down. I'm going to put a great show together for them with help from. Are essential behind the scenes member here, Rachel, who is helping me certainly with all the editing and whatnot. So big props to her as well. So a big comment that we get a frequent comment, I should say <clears throat> about the mixtape is that, Hey, we don't hear from enough New York giants and Washington commanders guests. So I'm fixing that today by bringing on two guests. One from each of those teams, we have our great friend Ed Valentine from Big Blue View giving us the lowdown on the Giants, and then we have Jamal Forrest returning to the podcast to break down what's going on with the Washington Commanders. You can check out Jamal at Hogshaven in the Trap or Dive podcast. So two fantastic guests today on today's show, and why don't we just get right into it all right so we have a very special guest here with us one of two special guests for this episode of the nfc east mixtape we have jamal Forrest, commanders analyst for hogs haven in the trap or dive podcast jamal uh you've been on the nfc east mixtape before when i was not here you were replacing me this time you are replacing rj who Thinks he's better than everyone and is at the <laughs> Super Bowl and uh is very clearly too big for his britches. But the beauty of him not being here is we can disparage the Cowboys or RJ. So is there anything you want to say about either of those subjects?
2: Well, um, because uh RJ has treated me well, um, I'll say uh, you know, good luck to him and have fun in, in <laughs> Vegas. Um I'm jealous. Uh but he has taken shots at me several times uh with the commanders, so um, If there's ways to, to take them jabs back, cool. But um, I don't think my team is in position right now to do that. <laughs> so, so I'm going to be quiet until we start winning.
1: <laughs> well, maybe on the right track. We'll see. Uh, uh, I think the Commanders made a very interesting good hire, uh, a promising hire, first move of the offseason really here after fi- uh, firing Ron Rivera, obviously, bringing in a new GM, Adam Peters from the 49ers. How do you feel about it?
2: Um, I, I like the the decision with Adam Peters. I think the main thing with uh, the Harris ownership group was like just understanding uh, what they wanted. Um, and I think they was real transparent with that when the season ended and they moved on from Rivera. Uh, it, it was all about trying to understand like a leadership structure and 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 what that would look like from top down in terms of a management style and then the coaching styles and things like. And then obviously it'll eventually trickle down to the players uh peters man i'm I'm cool with I, I don't know exactly what he'll do uh in terms of like results and, and processes and things like that um but but there's one thing that i understand with peters that i think ultimately we'll get into with quinn um mm-hmm. you know as transparent as harris was peters peters was as well in terms of what he wanted from a head coach um and that was leadership and that was communication skills um and and for for peters to be in this position um first time as 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 lead dog. Um he has a great reputation coming out of San Fran and obviously he had other traps uh tracks um from Denver as uh one example but you think about uh you think about like the the ability to have that stamp on an organization um peters has a great opportunity to do it um I'm interested to in seeing how it goes uh but I, I also like I think his biggest situation here um will be two things And it was going to be nailing the head coaching hire and then ultimately the decision on head, I'm, excuse me, quarterback. Because if you're not, if you, if you whiff on both those two, because you're going to have, you're, you're definitely getting, I mean, the head coach just came in with Quinn and then you're definitely making the decision on quarterback. And if you whiff on these two, your first impression, it don't matter what you did in the offseason, your first impression is going to be the product on the field. Um, And that is where you start to make your stamp uh in, in this in this area, this DMV area. Obviously other players around the the team are gonna be cool, but we don't care about that. We need that quarterback that's been absent for 30 years. And then we need a head coach who can be be here four plus years where there isn't much controversy, such as a, a Gruden Shanahan, uh uh obviously Rivera who was honestly in the, the Snyder tenure and this is my last time like disparaging him On a microphone, but I'm just being honest because I I felt like I wasted four years of my fandom with with Rivera, and it's so frustrating. So that's my last time I'm gonna speak on Ron. uh But yeah, like this, that is that is what you need in Washington is that head coach. You need that quarterback to hit. So uh, we'll see how Peters does, but he has a really good track record. So I'm 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 optimistic about what he can bring to Washington.
1: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, when the commanders made that hire, I'm like, okay. Washington might be doing something smart here I'm getting a little nervous that they you know they could be like a sleeping giant kind of headed in the right direction and then I was afraid that next step was going to be they bring in Ben Johnson who has obviously had a lot of success as the Lions offense coordinator and if they were missing out on him uh, I was also afraid they might get Mike McDonald because of what the Ravens defense was able to do this year so those were the guys especially because you know they have not been proven at the head coach yeah. level before and i think you can look at that as a okay that's a knock against them but also it's the upside i thought the upside of those guys is very high and obviously <clears throat> the commanders didn't get either of those guys i was especially surprised when uh ben johnson decided to stay in detroit <laughs> instead of going yeah. to washington so so what do you make of that like what do you make of the commanders not getting before we get into dan quinn what do you make of them not getting ben johnson or even mike mcdonald
2: um honestly so like when i mentioned the the peters and, and, and what he wanted with his head coach and, and the leadership and communication standpoint from my perspective it was always about uh taking that to heart like you you get your leash until i until i see something where i'm starting to question you right like you i take you for your word and uh from that standpoint like raheem morris was my one a he was my one a that's the guy who i okay. wanted um and and ben johnson admittedly it was always my one B but I also I also had question marks and it's all for everything that you stated uh Brandon but also like I think about um we spoke to Glover Quinn of uh a former Detroit Lions safety he's uh he he covers the team now um through the media and you know one of the things that he always talked about is is like what he wanted in his head coach but also like understanding who Ben Johnson is right uh and from his perspective he mentioned like he didn't know Ben Johnson to be a leader right and and that wasn't a knock on him it was acknowledging like if there's a track record of him like actually showcasing leadership skills at a head coaching standpoint like that he's capable of doing it he didn't see it and not to say like his word means anything uh or everything excuse me but you think about quotes like that from people who are close to it but also a former player who understands what a, a locker room should should possess from a coach, a head coach, to a coordinator, to a position coach, it's it's interesting to hear that. Um, and then you start digging, like uh, my my co-host, um, AJ on Trapper Podcast. You know, one of the things that he always was hesitant on was the staff that uh, Ben Johnson would build, um, and, and bring to Washington. But also, you know, uh, now that it's out there, uh, he even tweeted it, so it, I, it's, it's no big deal. But he said before the controversy started, and De- and he said this in December that um you know he wasn't necessarily he he heard things about ben johnson not interviewing well last year mm. right so like yeah those things don't get traction you you just hear the bigger stories right so it's like um when you when you think about mcdonald and you think about ben johnson not landing in washington um i want to say all that to say like i don't i always was um interested and intrigued by ben because i, I appreciated his offense I didn't know about like what he would look like as a leader. I didn't know what he would look like as a communicator from a an entire team standpoint, right? Like they know he can connect with my offense, right? But like what does that mean when problems come your way and you got to manage it from uh on the, the defensive side or a special team side or or even like uh a position group, uh maybe like a, a right tackle. Um, not to say that he doesn't know right offensive line, but it's like these are just different nuances of a of a head coach that you may have to, to monitor including the things that I don't, I'm not even aware of that a head coach probably has to deal with. Right. Um, so, so you think about those things and, and, um, and, and you start to like, you start to ask yourself, is he ready for this? And what you've seen over the past couple of days. Right. Uh, I think it was weird, Brandon. Cause like you knew that you had an interview lined up on Tuesday at whatever time they set the interview up. You knew that this existed probably before you played your game on Sunday. You you like they didn't just say on Monday, do you want to meet? They right. asked you this sometime the week before, right? So these things happen, and people on the 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 public sphere is wondering, like, what's this smear campaign, or or the, the commanders <laughs> are embarrassing themselves, or they're the same trans organization as as before. And I'm not one to, to really stand like I don't I don't dive into those things, right? Like personally, I don't I don't dive into that stuff. Like even when Dan was here, like I acknowledge like yeah, y'all are y'all are terrible in terms of how y'all manage and, and like how y'all even communicate and how y'all throw people under the bus. Like that existed. That was real. But I think that is a misdirection or mm-hmm. or in in terms of like how things are being handled now. Who's to say that the sort I mean, we do know there's there's some people who Who knows adam and ian and even albert breer right who can connect the dots in terms of these stories but what's what is what do like to have the the conversation be he canceled the interview or backed out of the interview while they were on the plane to go see him and aaron glenn right but not only that brandon it came from his agent ben didn't cancel the meeting he didn't even talk to washington so, and on top of that, he didn't just talk to, he didn't talk to Washington. He didn't talk to Seattle either, presumably. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just Washington that was interested in him. It was Seattle too. And, and like the, the, the conversation about his interviewing skills again is why I bring up AJ. He said this before the rumor started coming out uh, uh, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. So that was real before we even knew it in the public. And I think like, when you think about those small details, I'm glad you asked me about this. Is I, I want to put that out there. Like it's not just why wa- it's not Washington that's putting these things out there. Like there can be several different sources that comes together and, and allows people to allow reporters to put that out there. It doesn't have to be from Washington. It could be from several different sources, several different teams that can have this conversation. And I think that's ultimately uh, why I think that uh, Washington dodged a bullet uh, with with Ben Johnson. Uh, McDonald is you know it is what it is. He took Seattle. Um, that's mm-hmm. cool. And also to note, I don't mind ben johnson going staying in detroit is how you did it and and then the framing of washington being this villain that's not the case
1: Uh, the one thing i didn't like in terms of the leak for for commanders fans is this idea that Ben Johnson's asking price was too high. Like, that's, I said this on last week's episode or previous episodes, but like, that's not something fans should care about. There's no salary cap for head coaches. Like, there shouldn't be like, oh, that coach was asking for too much money. So we could, no, it doesn't matter. Like, the owner has billions of dollars. Yeah. Like, pony up. If he's the right coach, pony up. So but let me ask that you a question though. Oh, sorry. Sure. Go ahead.
2: I'll ask, I'll ask you after. No, no, you're good. So, what do you think like a $15 million a year coach is worth? Like, did, actually, two questions what does a $15 million coach look like? You can give an example. You don't have to necessarily go to detail. Like what does that look like in the league currently? Uh, but then secondly, how are we sure that the $15 million asking price, cause this is my theory. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I want to get your thought on that, but how do we know that the $15 million asking price was just a, a barrier because it's like, I don't want to leave Detroit. Um, I'm going to take these interviews. I don't want to leave Detroit, but if somebody is, is, is willing to pay me $15 million to coach, And I just so happen not to be good enough. I'm good. Fire me. I got my money. I'll go back to coordinating. Like I always wanted to do. So what do you think about that?
1: I just think that again, like if there's no salary cap, I just, I, I I don't know. I don't don't think we, any of us know for sure, like what every coach makes. I don't think there's a good list of that available, but, it's usually like, I think your average coach makes like, uh, I don't know. See, I don't even want to say the wrong number, like six million or something. But again, like, I just don't, I don't really care how much it takes. And, I, and I'd be saying, saying this about the Eagles, by the way, too. Like, spend as much as you need to get the right coach. And I'm not saying the I commanders ultimately, uh, that's not necessarily the only thing of what happened yeah. here. I just, that did get leaked out at one point. And I didn't, like, I can't, I can't get on board with that the stuff you're saying I think is a little bit more fair I can't get on board with like oh he was too expensive that's just not a real thing to me
2: yeah um I don't necessarily disagree uh in my opinion I see I do see coaches like uh let's go down the list like a a Sean McVay um to some extent Mike McFleur Matt LaFleur um and Green Bay a lot of
1: of mics and a lot of mats going on yeah all that
2: stuff uh shout out to for what they did in, in Dallas man they helped me win some money um so i appreciate them uh but uh those are (laughs) there we go there's the shot (laughs) that's the shot we wanted jamal Andy, Andy reed um in and along the lines and, and at one point bill belichick you know he's out the door now but um like those coaches like just on the surface like those are just small examples but those are fit john harbaugh in in baltimore like those are those are people who are worth a lot of money at this point they put they have their resume so it's it's important mm-hmm. to put that out there but tenured head coaches are the people i look at that say all right you're 15 million dollars where if you've proven yourself
1: mm.
2: out of the gate 15 million again you're right you never really know what a coach makes we didn't know what ron rivera made we also didn't know how long he was here until we until we ultimately <laughs> knew like it was some time where we figured out he he had a five-year deal so mm-hmm you're not wrong at all. And, and fans really shouldn't care either. And and truthfully, I didn't care about the number. I was just, mm-hmm. I think the first time I saw it, I was like, damn. Okay. Skip it, it pushing it, but you're right.
1: So having the perspective, you know, of <laughs> someone who roots for another Josh Harris team and the Sixers who are like making trade deadline moves right now, as we're recording this on Thursday, February 8th, by the way, um, It just raised a red flag to me because, you know, I've seen Josh Harris sell second round picks, which doesn't do anything but put money in his pocket that doesn't like give the Sixers more cap space. It just makes him richer as a billionaire. And then at the same time, after that, it's not like he was using that money to then go into the luxury tax because he has not done that either so like those are just some of the concerns i would have from the commander's perspective like is the owner doing everything he possibly can he's obviously an upgrade from dan snyder that's not saying much but it's true but i just you know when i see things like that it's just it makes me you know wonder like how serious is this guy about winning but let me pivot to you know the commanders end up making their head coaching hire in dan quinn uh take him away from so from the Eagles perspective. Let me give you the rundown of why I like this move for Philly, is because he was a really good defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. I know RJ is a little bit uh in denial and coping. He's like the Cowboys defense was <laughs> terrible in the second <laughs> half of last year. If you look at what Dan Quinn did over his time in Dallas, my point isn't he's a perfect defensive coordinator, but there's a lot of room to get worse. There's a lot of room to go down. And so I like that he's gone from Dallas. And I like that he's going to the Commanders, not because I think he's a total joke and he's pathetic and he's going to flame out, but I kind of just wonder about the ceiling with him. And I know it's not a one for one, but <clears throat> there's some similarities here in my mind to the Ron Rivera hire in terms of like lowering the floor. Uh, I mean, they they have a, like some a scary amount of similarities in terms of like former NFC South head coach mm-hmm. who went to the Super Bowl but mm-hmm. lost and you know obviously kind of flamed out um so what do you like about how would you grade i guess i should frame it that way how would you grade the dan quinn hire and uh how is this different than the ron rivera hire
2: um shoot i had to put a grade on i'm I'm only gonna put a grade on it for the show because you asked me i'll put a grade uh before we start the 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 quinn era i I think I'd, i'd give it um I'd probably give it like a, 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 a B minus C plus area. Okay. Um, I, I think, and and this is going to go with the the response. I think to your point of uh, uh, like, did they, they do enough? The Harris do enough. I think that's a really good question. Um, I think it's a fair question um, because uh, you, you don't know like to what extent Ben ranked in their preference. You don't know where McDonald ranked in their preference. Secondly, you don't know where Raheem Moore is ranked in their preference. Um, the reason why he's important is because uh and people who are paying attention, remember what I said about Ben, and this is not about solely about Ben. We're gonna to get the to, to Dan. Like, they got an interview with Raheem. He called Washington back after he got mm-hmm. done with that, that Atlanta interview later that day and asked them, asked Washington about the head coaching position. Like, like yeah. they they gave me a job offer. Like, what are y'all gonna do? And Washington said, you know, we're going to stay true to our process. Boom, he goes to Atlanta. Um, but he calls them to talk to him. Like, he didn't go through his agent. And 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 I think when you think about uh, their preferences, right, Uh I think I don't I, – I always know that Dan Quinn, based on reports and, and consistent reporting from start to finish, was always high on their list. And then when he interviewed with him the first time, he killed it, right? So, like, you take that into account. You can imagine he was definitely like if they had a top three, he was out, he was up there. And and that's for sure. Um, and, and I think when you have a top three and, and and it's a it's a ranking of people that you are are favor in favorite of uh pre-interview and then after the interview, he's still up there. I, I don't think that my grade or anybody outside the organization, whether they're like they're going to think that it's an a plus higher they're also going to try and sell you on it being an a plus higher right so i think that's also important but i think when when you when you have that that situation with quinn um it is interesting especially the way rj phrased it um he doesn't think that they were that good i have friends who believe that uh somewhat similar to rj like surprise cowboys fans like they're going to we lost them. They're coping. All right, keep it. I'll keep them. I'm glad you're gone. Like, okay, cool. Well, I, I think that is interesting. Like, obviously, you give up 40, almost well, 42 points from the defense. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know that's a a, a stain, like, because that's your last memory of Dan Quinn. Right. Um, in short, that you you never really was that strong against the run. If there was a team who was uh, good enough or or willing to run the football on you, you couldn't really get that. Uh, taken care of um and i think that's that's something where you have concerns there too but um you know the personnel is different in washington and one of the things that you always have to remember like washington has jonathan allen deron Payne, fedarian mathis uh john ridgeway four stout interior linemen who are solid against the run um you know give and take some are better than others but at the same time that personnel didn't exist in dallas And I think you think about from a back end standpoint, Dan Quinn is always along with Joe whip that secondary coach who ultimately became the defensive coordinator. um, I think that these are uh, hires where you know, that the secondary to some extent is going to get improved, but it's also structurally going to get better. Um, And I think that's important. Right. Um, And and also like with the, the, the ownership standpoint, we go back to that leadership point, like Dan Quinn sure has a reputation uh, in Dallas of not being this perfect defensive coordinator. And I, I can see like he had his bad moments, but he's not coming in here to strictly be like a coach on one side of the football. He's managing the whole damn thing. And that's why claims cliff cliff Kingsbury was important for him. Yep. Somebody who can own a, own a room, own a whole unit. Same thing with Joe Witt. Apparently again, to friends and I'm sure RJ will confirm Joe Witt was his his right hand man. He went he went with him in three different stops, right? Yeah. So that's RJ,
1: I think wanted Joe Witt potentially like you know to be promoted to replace Dan Quinn.
2: And 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 shout out to shout out to Dan Quinn because he don't he ain't in Dallas no more. So thank you thank you for Joe Witt. Um, but I, I think to that extent, like you think about things like that, and um, you you just understand that uh, he's having people that he can put in major roles that he can trust on both sides of the football. And I think this is different, uh a different perspective from when you asked about Ron Rivera, like Ron Rivera was a coach centric. He came over here, no matter what he tells you after the fact, if you hear my dog in the background, she is I don't she is <laughs> having a very uh lovely time. Come here. Come here. Come here. So you can stop talking. I mean What's her on. name? Dakota. Dakota. Uh oh well, you see yeah. her right in there? In don't tell camera. RJ that <laughs> oh oh yeah. Yeah. Dakota man (laughs) um but look so with Ron the coach centric thing right uh the the difference from this hire in in Ron uh no matter what he tells you after the fact or even in in this season alone because you can probably pull up some quotes uh Ron came here because he wanted to be in charge of everything he wanted this coach centric approach where everything goes through him the hires go through him uh the decisions go through him everything Mm -hmm. goes through him right and Dan Quinn had a short stint like uh in, in Atlanta where he actually took control of player personnel. One of Ron's downfalls ultimately Dan Quinn's in in Atlanta. Um but one of Ron's downfalls is he was terrible at player acquisition. Like he he stuck to what he knew and I would never I said I was going to be nice with with Ron. <laughs> but <laughs> he he when Brandon, when I tell you and you know it, you play us twice a year. When I tell you the offensive line got dramatically worse every single year that he was here yeah you had trent williams morgan moses brandon sheriff on your team they're all in three different stops two of them were yep. in the the, the title the, uh championship sundays and morgan moses mm. and trent williams this past uh two weeks ago right so when you think about these things right his decisions dan Quinn's not going to be here for that he just wants to coach and, and part of his introductory co- conference was understanding, like, he did a he did a whole audit to understand who he was as a coach in Atlanta and why it didn't work, right? And that's just part of the understanding of how he can be better, right? But he's actively learning to be better. Ron Rivera just came in uh, a week after he got fired from Carolina and said, I'm ready to be a coach again. Like, how does that even work? How do you have time to figure out what you did right and what you did wrong? But secondly, now, not only... Do you have more power that you had than you had in Carolina? Like you you disintegrate the the whole I don't even know if that was a word. If if I use it right, shout out to me. But you you deplete the I'll change the word. You depleted the offense. Yeah, you depleted the offense. And and now your your defense from Jack Dario, you have no connection with this guy. Like you knew him for a long time, but you never really coached with him. So that's the Is if y'all are following along and Cliff Kingsbury and, and Joe Witt, like you have a connection with your defensive coordinator. You have, a rep- uh, you, have, you have some sense of familiarity with Cliff Kingsbury, but you're not picking people that you, that you well, were, were true to, right? In terms of like, I knew you in Carolina. Let me bring you up here. Or I knew you all, I knew all of y'all in Dallas. So I'm gonna bring every single team, every single person I knew in Dallas up here. He was very intent on building the best staff uh And working with his GM and Adam Peters to allow him to bring the players in, he'll coach them and get them right.
1: Okay. So you, you mentioned Cliff Kingsbury in there a couple of times, and obviously that's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. When you have a coach who, as you're saying, not only, you know, taking, you know, more of a whole, you know, man, and whole team approach, but also, you know, Dan Quinn obviously being with a defensive background that OC hire is absolutely going to be critical. So yeah. The Commanders end up getting Cliff Kingsbury, who had reportedly agreed to be the Raiders. OC drops out, goes to D.C. instead there. Eagles obviously interviewed uh, Cliff Kingsbury for their offensive coordinator opening. They didn't pick him. They ended up going with Kellen Moore. Uh, I was happy with that. I did not want Cliff Kingsbury just because I think he's kind of built up a reputation that is a little more, um, like, Gets a little more hype than it deserves just based on like who he's worked with i think the fact that like he's been attached to some big names like patrick mahomes and obviously kyler and everything yeah. uh and now Caleb williams he gets a lot of credit for that a lot of people like to point out that he had a losing record with patrick mahomes so not the best obviously that's as a head coach it's a little bit different when you're offensive coordinator aspect of things uh but yeah for and especially because of how the eagles what they kind of i feel like where they need to go Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of overlap with him and sirianni in terms of like lack of uh lack of motion and it's not about like trying to do things creatively as much as like do what you do and try to do it well so i'm not saying he's the worst candidate ever but i definitely didn't like him for the eagles what's your take on cliff kingsbury commander's offensive coordinator
2: um i'm i'm in a wait and see with with cliff and honestly even when I spoke on Joe Witt, I wanna be clear, like I'm in a wait and see with a lot of people that's in place right now. Uh, but specifically with Kingsbury, I, I think you you are spot on with your take in terms of like the hype part. Um I I, I do think the name is something that peop that it pops out with people. Um I, I do wanna acknowledge like uh you know the the motion part, right? He was one of the when he was in Arizona, he was probably, I think, bottom three in terms of pre snap motion usage, right? And yeah, and- it was like
1: 30th. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at here. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So, like, when you think about things like that, uh, like, it was a big deal for Washington and, and, and Washington fans because uh, I, I don't want to fool anybody. Like, it's like when Eric Biennimi came in, one of the conversations about him was like having purposeful pre-snap motions to help the quarterback out and i'd be a fool if i sit here and tell you that just because you get cliff in that that importance just goes away right um cliff is is that guy who doesn't really use it he stays true to whatever position you are right so for now uh, i don't know what the future is going to look like in terms of free agency or draft but you got terry mclaurin as your ex right he's going to always be on the line of scrimmage you have a, a person that's going to be in the slot you have a person that's going to be on uh, off the line of scrimmage as your z uh, and and then you got your tight ends. Like they're always going to line up where they line up in Cliff's offense, uh, as far as we know, going into this season. And, you know, at some point, you know, it's, it's, it's effective because what he could do from a concept standpoint, but what if you do have a quarterback who's struggling in, in like pre-snap phase of understanding a defense, like processing a defense and, and how do you coach that, that the inner workings in itself is going to show it like in the, the classroom or the, the um the meeting rooms and things like that the film rooms like and and even the practice field like all that stuff is going to show itself eventually but like those questions do exist and i understand it completely from the philly side like i don't you don't know if you want this but then you think about the run game too like i have um i have questions about it uh I, i do know that he ran it a lot but you also don't know how influential the quarterback was in that like so understanding like the true intent of like this is a true run play um you know, you had Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray could just take off when he wanted to. You can run the read option when you wanted to. Um, And and that's kind of an important aspect because if you aren't good at running the football, uh, especially in Arizona, you may need to think about how important your O line coach is like whoever you hire, because you're going to need some help structurally um, or philosophically, whatever you want to do in terms of like, do you want to run gap zone, um, a mix of both, uh, like, how do you want to do this? Uh, and how do you want to marry it with your past game? All those things are important. Uh, but I will say, and while I'm a little bit encouraged uh, outside of the questions that I have for him, A.J. Green, damn near 17 yards a catch when he was with Cliff um, at 30, 33 or 34 years old. I um, mean, you got Christian Kirk, balled out when he was with Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. He gets his contract and he takes off in in jacksonville now granted uh when i when i can who else was it um uh, deandre hopkins obviously and then hollywood brown those four main guys right now they are good talented receivers but cliff kingsbury in his offense dominated with them from a a a perimeter standpoint and and how he can stretch the field so like when you look at a terry mclaurin a Jahan Dotson, he's going to find a way to maximize them down the field as much as they can to help this offense open up a little bit. So um, it's a give and take. Um, I'm, 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 I'm waiting CMO with, with Cliff, but uh, I acknowledge hundred percent your question marks with him seeing how this works out. But the good news is he's only working on the offense. He doesn't have to worry about the defense special teams and even talking to the whole team. It's just all about what he can do offensively and that can help him.
1: And probably better than hiring Chip Kelly, which I was really hoping the commander. Hey, I, that or... was
2: that was my preference at first. I ain't gonna lie to you. Okay. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't know. Like I didn't. I didn't. Like it was. I was indifferent in terms of like who they actually selected. But I would have uh-huh. loved to see Chip back in the NFL in the same mm. situation because he's never been a coordinator in the NFL. Right. So it was like I would have loved to see Chip have that opportunity the same way Cliff did. But hey, man, we're here.
1: Uh, For the sake i of... want
2: to know what you think because you like i heard that mm, i heard that you know
1: i, I, wanna... I mean I, I would not i you know i was obviously a chip fan back in the day but you know it soured quickly when you know i think he had some great ideas originally and then kind of like similar not the same exact situation but a similar issue with mm-hmm. nick sirianni it's like what's the pivot there's never there's never a pivot like he had a great initial plan but i think People kind of caught up to him a bit, and there was never that pivot to the next thing. And that's what I think, you know, the best coaches do. Like Andy Reid is still amazing. Obviously, you know, having Patrick Mahomes helps, but still the way he's able to kind of like continue to pivot and adjust. And even, you know, Kyle Shanahan, whoever, these, these coaches who have staying power, uh, I just don't think Chip has had that. And certainly anything he's done since leaving Philly flaming out in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. The, he he wants to leave UCLA because he knows the writing is on the wall. He knows he's either he's going to get fired slash uh he doesn't want to have to deal with, you know, NIL uh, the, the pac 12 being, uh, you know, uh, going to the big 10 or that UCLA going to the, B- he doesn't, and, uh, anything else uh transfer portal, he doesn't want to deal with all that. So he wants, he's like desperately trying to get into the NFL. I think more than the NFL wants him.
2: That's a, that's an interesting, uh, point. And I, I can see they're like, they maybe, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe he does. I don't know how many other position open OC openings there are, but you know, we'll see. Well, the Seahawks. Picture. OCOs. Apparently
1: okay. are uh yeah interested in him. So, you know, okay. maybe you'll see the what could have been in Washington.
2: Yeah, the, what could have the been. The Mike
1: McDonald. But Joe let me Kelly, ask you, uh, Yeah, let me ask you,
2: like you mentioned Nick in ter- Nick Siriani in, in terms of like what, what caught up to him. What what's up? What do yeah. you think about like how he's responded this offseason? Um I don't know if you want to give a grade. I'm not gonna hold you to a grade, but 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 <laughs> I what's, like what's, what's
1: around on me. What's,
2: what's your thoughts on on how they managed this offseason?
1: Yeah, I mean, I didn't want Sirianni back just because I thought that collapse was so bad. And I know they were in the Super Bowl. I know they've been in the playoffs three years in a row, but that's, you can't just like gloss over that one in six finish. Like that's a really, it's just, it concerns me that, you know, the response to adversity moving forward isn't going to be great. Also, you know, what if you do, what do you do if you get off to a slow start this year? I don't think it's any coincidence that they hired a former head coach and Vic Fangio who, you know, they've wanted to be their defensive coordinator, but also Kellen Moore, who they interviewed to be their head coach back in 2021 when they eventually hired Nick Sirianni instead. So I, I feel like they're kind of like building in backup plans and mm. they're diminishing Sirianni's power. So like, what's he even do here? Someone literally asked them that, as as they should have. It was a great question uh, in his end-of-season press conference. And I think so much has been like, well, the CEO head coach style can work. Yeah, that's I'm not no one's arguing, I think, seriously against that. It's not about the style. I'm not worried about CEO style not working. I'm worried about Nick Siriani not being good at it in terms of like not being aggressive enough and uh not giving the team, you know, a schematic edge, which you know, I guess is gonna be more in Kellen Moore, but still. And then the culture. The culture clearly went in a bad way last year so i don't really know what nick strani bringing to the table that's contributing to winning so that's kind of my frustration with it
2: hey well all i can say brother is a good luck. um know, (laughs) i don't you don't mean that i don't think i don't think y'all reached the abyss yet but i can't wait until you do
1: (laughs) we'll see i mean it'll i think it can go you know it's it's not really shocking to say go one of two ways because either you win or you lose. But I think, you know, maybe you hire these coordinators, you know, they bounce back next year uh, in a division that has obviously not had a repeat winner since 2004. So it's not just like, Oh, the Cowboys are definitely going to win again next year because history tells us otherwise. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, I I think it's also volatile and maybe who knows, Bill Belichick will be the Eagles head coach. Next year, and there's a decent chance he's in the NFC East next year, right? Between the Eagles and the Giants and the Cowboys, like there's a decent chance he ends this, up at one of this those Is this the spots. first
2: time that the listeners have heard you suggest that, or has this been said before? The Belichick it's assumption or possibility. It,
1: it's been out there. It's okay. been out there. Something that like it's kind of it's looming. It's not you know serious enough yet to be like you know the most likely thing but it, it looms the 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 possibility looms out there but Which i have... have a good two three years with him bill <laughs> uh yeah I, I i think um i think if you were gonna do it it almost made sense to do it this offseason because yeah. i think the cell was like hey the team is ready to win still right now so let's find a coach who's an upgrade on sirianni where you can win right now and if they're bad next year, I don't know if they're, you know, going to want another win now coach, but we'll see. Okay. I have two more questions for you. And this is the big one. You brought it up earlier when you talking about the future of Adam Peters and whatnot, what are the commanders going to do at quarterback? They have the number two pick. Are they going to try to trade up for Caleb Williams that kind of, you know, got more life with the cliff Kingsbury hire. Although I think the bears are just going to, you know, stick and pick at number one. um, Drake May is the, the commonly, you know, mock draft pick for the commanders at two. But are they going to go away from the consensus and take another quarterback? So what do you think they do? What do you what should they do? Um,
2: I think that they're going to inquire about that number one overall pick. Um, I, I do think uh, you mentioned the Cliff part, uh, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, sure, the the instant jump for people is Cliff's here. Okay. Now they're they're all in on Caleb. I don't know if they're going to be all in on Caleb. You got to think about so many different circumstances, what the Bears want. Right. So like if the Bears think that they can find somebody who they really want at uh, number three, number four, number five, somewhere within that top five range, maybe top seven range. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but if they want somebody right, like what's to say that the the price that the other teams are offering is isn't better or is better, whatever, whatever way you want to look at it, than what Washington is offering them, right? They can take this, they can take whatever those other teams are offering and saying, Yeah, we're gonna move back and let them get that number one spot, right? But then secondly, uh, and what I what I think is gonna happen right now, uh is what you said. Uh you got Justin Fields on what their his fourth year or going into his fifth year, right? And then you have a a, a head coach who essentially <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what like you 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 kept him around when he was on the hot seat, too. So it's like mm-hmm. um, you don't know exactly what they're going to do um, from that standpoint. Uh, but it's an interesting decision because, like, do you cut the cord on Justin and like get a whole new five year contract for a rookie quarterback? Or do you like keep him and and move on? Uh, if you think that this guy is a generational talent, uh, just as much as all the other teams in the NFL who wants a quarterback and who wants specifically Caleb Williams. Why wouldn't the Bears take him? Like they're not going to tra- they're not going to let him go somewhere else. They're going to take him. And and especially think, after
1: last year, right? You yeah. know, yeah,
2: you- yeah. Like those those the first two the last two seasons where Justin Fields finished strong. In my opinion, I think he had really good finishes to the last two seasons. He started off just as bad. Like he started off bad. Like and and I don't know if you can even survive that in the early parts of a season when you're out of the playoff race at the end of the year um so like they have a lot to think about from now up until the point of the draft um so i think washington you know uh they're gonna they're gonna inquire about caleb uh, excuse me they're gonna inquire with the bears in terms of like what that number one what's going to take to move up uh i don't think that uh they ultimately make that deal um i think that they Mm -hmm. stand padded too and i also think that uh uh, i I rank Jaden daniels higher than drake may personally Mm -hmm. um so what i think Mm -hmm. they should do is take Jaden Daniels um because okay. there's gonna be much more growing pains not to say Jaden is perfect but i think um there's gonna be much more growing pains with Drake may than there is with caleb or uh jaden um and, and and that's what that's kind of why i'm i'm actually he's my q b mm. too um okay so yeah that's that's kind of where I'm at with quarterback
1: but do you think they do take him or do you think they go Drake may
2: Man, look, all I'm a, <laughs> I, yeah, you you're right to laugh. Um, because it the thought of them taking Drake May is gonna be very depressing for me. Um, I'm I'm in the middle of watching his take okay. right now, and, and the reason why I say it like that is because like the questions that I have for Drake, um like his processing sometimes he can be late on his reads to the point where like his decision making when he's late um is 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 very uh concerning uh for me. Uh but I also think that he has like these random spouts of like badly thrown balls, even when he has the right read he makes the right read. So it's like that can that those like some types some of those decision makings like the negatives, like he has some some things that, that works well with him, right? But the negatives is the ones that's like when you go to the next level, how does that translate? And I think those negatives can be very uh concerning. And that's why uh, I, 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 if they call them, I'm gonna be a little, I'm gonna I, like my my whole my whole attitude, and I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be upset, Brandon. Just put it that way. <laughs> I'm gonna be I, upset. I,
1: I think you're thinking about it right, and that's why I was kind of going with the head coach part of it too. I just think the Commanders should really be swinging for upside here, especially because they have like, I'm I'm guessing, I'm speaking out of you know from my perspective from afar. Mm-hmm they've they have the grace this isn't like an ownership that's coming in it has to win right now and like fans are so happy that you know Snyder's gone and the old regime is gone that I think to me it seems like fans would be on board with something that like building it the right way as opposed to just trying to rush to instant win to race out to the middle and that's something Josh Harris has experienced with from the Sixers end. Like, he didn't take over the Sixers and be like, hey, we need to win now. It was just the opposite. It was like, hey, we need to lose so then we can move forward to championship aspirations in the future, having that big picture in mind as opposed to just, again, we have to win right now, win right now. So, uh, yeah, I definitely, from my perspective, I'd be afraid if the commanders shoot for the upside because I think that's the best thing to do. And Maybe that has a lower floor for them, but the floor's already been low for a long time, so we can't really get worse. So facts. why is West Wing for the upside? That a
2: hundred a hundred percent facts. Like, there's no reason for anybody to be upset with like the process, and even if they do take Drake, like if if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But the process is more important, in, in like and shooting for what they feel like the upside yep. is. Um, I think the biggest upside lies with Caleb and, and Jaden. Um, and I would rather shoot for those. Uh, and, and if they fail, I would rather put it this way, Brandon. Uh, I would rather those two fail here, then pass on them and see them be superstars somewhere else. Right. That's that's kind of okay. how I do those two guys.
1: So we do this for every podcast. RJ and I pick a song to add to the NFC East Mixtape playlist. It can be any song you want, and we do it for our guests too. doesn't have to be... Like there's no, it's it's literally any song could be your favorite song. Could be a song you are listening to recently, whatever, it could be anything. It's just a fun little thing we do for the listeners to, uh, I guess have some new music if they want in their lives.
2: Okay. Well, given that, um, I just came from, are you familiar with go-go Brandon? You heard, you heard, you haven't. Okay. Well, this is going to be very, very, very fun. I want to see how you handle this. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, so I just came from a go go last night and New Impressions okay. was playing. Um I'm going to put it in the private chat. Uh but New Impressions was okay. playing and and they were uh it's this song called To the Moon. Um that is on Apple Music and Perfect. Uh I will give that to the listeners. Um and I will okay. give that to you. Uh okay. now those who are listening if y'all are from the area and are familiar with Gogo, you're welcome. But if you aren't, yeah. do not turn your
1: nose at it. It's amazing
2: music. <laughs> Just gotta live okay. a little bit.
1: <laughs> I like it. All right, uh, Jamal, thanks for joining me. Tell the people uh, where they can find you.
2: Appreciate you for uh, shooting the invite, man. I'm I'm always down to top it up with you and RJ. Uh, we can try to get the three of us together soon. Uh, but yes. you all can find me on Twitter at Let More Tell It. Um, My name is spelled with a U. So don't forget that. Um, And then Trapper Dive is on all podcast platforms as well as YouTube. So appreciate you, big dog.
1: All right. Well, we will find some time to talk in the future and it'll be fun.
0: Before Zoom Info, business wins took a lot of time, energy, and patience. But today, Zoom Info aligns your sales and marketing teams, identifies ideal customers faster, and automates your go-to-market strategy. So you can scale up and get on the fast track to marketplace domination. And that's how winners win. Unlock insights. Engage customers. Win faster at zoominfo.com. Zoominfo: How business goes to market.
1: Okay, and we have a, another special guest. I say another not knowing what order exactly is going to go in. In theory, it should be division order, but we'll see. It's a different kind of episode of the NFC East Mixed State this week. In any case, right now, I have Ed Valentine from Big Blue View. I've known Ed for many years now, uh, considering I've been at BGN since 2013, and he's been at Big Blue View even longer uh, than I have been at BGN. So... Ed, an honor to have you here, especially with no RJ. I will offer you the same opportunity I offered to Jamal in the commander section, where RJ's not here, so you have especially free reign to say anything derisive that you possibly want to say about either him and or the Cowboys.
3: Well, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of shots I would like to take at RJ. Let's let's put it that way. But RJ was nice to me this week. Mm. RJ did send me. Some audio from a Jalen Hyatt interview that he did this week. So, so I'm going to be a little bit nice to RJ and 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 let him off the hook for for that. Except, you know, the only, where are the Cowboys this week, RJ? Where are <laughs> they? Where are they? And and how many Super Bowls have the Giants won since the last time the Cowboys got in one? How many is that, RJ? <laughs> Throw a couple of Eagles Super Bowls in there too, while we're you know while I'm talking to you. How many is that that the NFC East has won since the Cowboys won one? <laughs> what is that, six? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you know we always have we always have to give RJ that one. You know, since the Cowboys always think they're going to win the Super Bowl and never manage to get close.
1: <laughs> All right, so let's get into what the Giants have been up to. It's kind of been not the juiciest offseason especially when we talk about them on the mixtape every week it's been like well what are the giants up to not a whole lot uh they were looking for a defensive coordinator for a long time we'll get to that but i want to start here with why they were looking for a new defensive coordinator and that's because wink martindale i don't know what the right term is and you can speak on this fired or he left or whatever uh so let's get into that what happened exactly with wink martindale and then how do giants fans feel about his departure
3: well it's sort of a uh i i, call, I just call it a divorce mm. all right and maybe it's a you know considering you know miley cyrus at the grammys the other day maybe it's a a miley cyrus level divorce mm. you know where she kind of went ballistic on her ex there but uh but it's a divorce and and it's a uh, it's kind of a deal where Brian Dable sat in front of the media, and I happened to be there the day after the season ended. He sat in front of the media and he said, I want Wink to come back. I want Mike Kafka <laughs> to come back. My plan is, my expectation is that he'll come back. Well, two hours later, he fired the two people who were Wink Martindale proteges on the coaching staff, which is Basically, yeah, you can stay, but you're not going to have your staff anymore. And and Wink went ballistic and basically took his ball and went home. He jumped on a flight to Florida and went home. <laughs> and, uh, you know, 24 hours or so after that, Wink was, you know, Wink was no longer the, the defensive coordinator. So really, that was a deal where Brian Dable is an offensive-minded head coach but he's also an alpha. He's also, you know, he's 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 hard-headed. He's the head coach. He, he wants what he wants. Wink Martindale is the same way. And it turned into he said, she said, and who was responsible for what. And, you know, is Brian Dable too hard on his assistant coaches and, and all this and that. But what it came down to, I think, is Wink Martindale sort of thought he was the head coach of the defense and didn't have to answer to Brian Dable. And the head coach is the head coach, you know, and if the head coach has an opinion or wants an explanation, you need to give him one. And if you don't want to give him one, you need to go find a new job. And Wink Martindale
1: needs to go find a new job. giants then need a new defensive coordinator so they go on this search and i feel like it went on for a bit because i mean the like just to compare to the eagles the eagles made the playoffs obviously lost the playoff game fired their defensive coordinator who they had already really demoted in season found a new defensive coordinator all within the time that the giants who had an earlier start uh were still searching for theirs they obviously interviewed eagles Our former Eagles defensive backs coach, Denard Wilson, who I was worried they might hire because I think Denard Wilson did a great job in Philly and did not deserve to be fired by Nick Sirianni last year before he went to the Ravens and then the Ravens uh, defense and their secondary especially was strong. Uh, He goes to the Tennessee Titans instead. And then the Giants had also interviewed Buffalo Bills assistant uh, Bobby Babich, and he just ended up getting promoted. Defensive coordinator in Buffalo. So the Giants have this search. It seemed like they had a couple candidates that they liked, didn't get either of them all the while, too. It kind of seemed funny to me that, and this is a side note, a little bit of a tangent, that the Giants kept requesting interviews with other teams, special teams coordinators, and they were like, no, like we want to keep our special teams coordinator. (laughs) But in any case, the Giants end up with Shane Bowen as their DC, who Denard Wilson is now replacing in Tennessee, funny enough. So, how do Giants fans feel about? Shane Bowen.
3: Well, it's, it's, it's a whole interesting deal and you're right. It took a while. It took almost four full weeks from, you know, from the time that, that wink took his ball and went home or took his defense and went home. (laughs) So, and I think the thing was that I do believe that Denard Wilson was at the top of their list. Okay, they interviewed Wilson. They interviewed Bobby Babich. The Bills did a smart thing because they're like, "Oh man, you know if he's you know he's probably right at the top of their list, and we don't want him to leave, so they promoted him." And so Denard Wilson's at the top of the list. So the Giants more or less had to wait. Denard Wilson knew he was going to have options. He didn't jump when the Giants, you know, when the when the Giants interviewed him. They interviewed him twice. He's the only candidate they interviewed twice before you know before Shane Bowen. And so they were more or less on Denard Wilson's timeline and waiting for him to make a choice. And he ultimately chose Tennessee. And at first glance, I thought that was a little odd because they have a first year head coach. But when you think about it, there, There is an impression with Brian Dable entering year three, there's an impression that he's on the hot seat. There's an impression that he, you know, there's an impression he could be one and done if the year doesn't go well for the Giants in 2024. And Denard Wilson goes to a place where there's a rookie head coach. He's probably got a three-year runway where, you know, he's got stability for, two, for at least two, maybe three years. So I can't blame him for that. So the other complicating factor was they interviewed Shane Bowen. They ended up hiring Shane Bowen. Tennessee let Shane Bowen interview, but then they decided they didn't want to let Shane Bowen out of his contract Hmm. while they were still searching for a head coach and searching for a new defensive coordinator. So they technically didn't let Shane Bowen out of his contract until after they had hired Denard Wilson to replace him. So so if the Giants were going to hire Bowen again they were going have to have to wait for the Titans to to release him. So it was frustrating, it was odd. It got to the point where the Giants where we we were like, why don't the Giants just give the job to Jerome Will Jerome Henderson who's their defensive backs coach and be done with it and move on? But so it took a lot longer than I think anybody would have wanted it to, but it seemed like everybody they wanted, they had to wait for it for one reason or another.
1: So how do you feel about Bowen, like just based on his track record resume?
3: Well, it's interesting. The one thing that I'm in favor of that I was always in favor of was the Giants hiring a defensive coordinator who had done this before. And the only candidate they interviewed who had – Done it before is Shane Bowen. Everyone else would have been a first-time coordinator. And I talked a little bit about Brian Dable, Brian Dable's seat being warm mm-hmm. in 2024. I didn't really think it was a good idea for the Giants to have a first-time coordinator who had to grow into the job. You know, that in under those circumstances. So that makes me happy. As we study Shane Bowen. You know, there, there's some things to like. I don't think he's, he's probably not the best defensive coordinator on the planet, but he's also a guy who's done this for three years. He's learned under Dean Pease. He's learned under Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel, you know, we, we've been studying his defense. There's some things to like. And basically what it comes to is if he has good players, the defense will be fine. If he doesn't have good players, he's probably not going to elevate them to something that they're not. But I feel good, especially since Brian Dable's an offensive-minded head coach, I feel good about the fact that he's done this before. Dable can leave him alone, let him do what he does, and, and go try to fix the offense.
1: So a new look for the defense, but the offense, as you just mentioned, is going to have continuity in the form of Mike Kafka still being former Eagles quarterback, legend, Mike Kafka, Uh, still the offensive coordinator (laughs) there getting a bump with the uh, assistant head coach title added in. Sounds like the Seahawks. I mean, he interviewed for some head coaching jobs, obviously last year, again, this off season, the Seahawks reportedly wanted him to potentially be Uh, Mike McDonald's OC in Seattle play calling head coach in that role Giants blocked him what do you think the confidence level well what's your confidence level I should ask in him uh returning now for year three
3: well I think Mike Kafka is a good coach all right he came from Kansas City he learned from Andy Reid he was reportedly responsible for a lot of the uh of the, the sort of goal line red zone sort of trick play kind of stuff that they ran in Kansas city. I have no issues with Mike Kafka as a play caller. There were a lot of reports throughout the season that maybe Brian Dable does. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing with the giants because they lose Wink Martindale. They fire Thomas McGay, who who's the special teams coordinator There were reports that there was tension between Day Bowl and Kafka, which is kind of understandable because they're both offensive coaches Mm -hmm. and the offense stunk in 2023. The offense was the reason why they went six and 11. It wasn't the defense. The offense was the reason they went six and 11. And so, so yeah, there's going to be tension because they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't get it right. They couldn't, they couldn't get anybody blocked. So nothing was ever going to work. But it's a weird dynamic because we thought Kafka might leave too. We thought he might get a head coaching job. I figured if the Giants let him interview and let him go, I thought I thought he might take the Seattle job. And then they turn around and give him the, the – they say no, and then they give him the, the assistant head coach title and, and, and give him all of that, and, and he's back. And I'll be honest, I still don't know if he's going to call plays. I still suspect that Brian Dable might take over play calling and take over full control of the offense in 2024, which it just seems weird because you, you technically promote a guy and then you strip him of his real job responsibility (laughs) and and the optics are weird. That situation is weird. I kind of think that the giants really didn't want to be in the situation of having to explain the optics of losing all three coordinators in the same off season. And, yeah. but I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I am of the belief that Brian Dable is going to take control of that offense this year, especially
1: since he's kind of, sort of on the hot seat entering the year. Uh, great transition. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. Obviously we know the situation what happens where giants do well, they figure it out. He stays. He's good. Nothing to really figure out there, but let's examine the situation for the sake of the hypothetical where things aren't going well again, kind of maybe looking similar to last year or so, like how long of a lease does Brian Dable have? And I guess, you know, is it like, how long, how large does Bill Belichick loom and all this or, and then not even just him, but certainly him, but you know, like the fact that Ben Johnson stays in Detroit, it feels like people have been talking about like, you know, the 2025 coaching cycle could be intriguing. And then not to mention that, The Giants might not be the only team in the division looking for a head coach because Nick Sirianni entering this season on the hot seat. Same with Mike McCarthy in Dallas. So, I mean, as many as could be as many as three coaches. I'm guessing not three because probably one of those coaches could win the division, kind of save himself a bit, but as many as three. And again, all potentially reasonably in play for Belichick based on past connections and history and whatnot. Um, So, yeah, I guess what do you make of Dable, his leash, and the potential? Giants head coach of the future
3: well don't forget that Mike Vrabel's out there too sure and it's kind of interesting because the Giants hired three coaches off of Vrabel's staff this week (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so it so that's kind of interesting too but there's no doubt that the Dable's seat is warm entering 2024 and it's weird because if you look at it if you flipped the two seasons that that the Giants had under Dayball, if you went, if he went six and eleven in his first year, and then he goes nine, seven, and one in his second year and they make the playoffs and win a playoff game, everybody feels great. Everybody thinks they're on the way up. He's a great coach. Things are moving in the right direction. But since it went the other way, and since there were the reporting about how he treats assistant coaches and 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 we see his volatility on the mm. sidelines and you know flipping a tablet at daniel jones was a bad look yeah you know that's that's a, that's just not something that you can do you just can't do that to your your alleged franchise quarterback all right you just can't you know you you can yell at him sure i mean bill parcells used to yell at phil sims all the time right coaches yell at quarterbacks that stuff happens but you can't be you, but you can't be demonstratively flipping a tablet at a guy like that. You just can't. And and you can't be so emotional during games that it makes it hard for your assistant coaches to do their jobs. You know, and I don't know how, I don't know if that's just reporting out of the Martindale camp to make Day Bowl look bad. But there's, but but there's got to be some validity to it. Right. So, so. He's undoubtedly got to win some games. If they if they win five games, and and things are bad, and he's you know all red faced on the sidelines and out of control all the time, then you know then, then he's not going to have a job in twenty twenty five. And it's it's going to be Belichick or it's going to be Vrabel or it's going to be Kafka or it's going to be somebody. And and by the way, I do not want it to be Belichick. I don't. I okay. just don't want to go. I don't want to go there. I'm going to pull this up. don't want to happens. go there. You know what? It it could be, but I don't want it to be because yeah. I don't want to blow up an entire organization and, and put him in control of it. That certainly didn't go very well in New England the last few years. So I, I don't want to go there. But Brian Dable needs to win some games. The interesting thing for me is Brian Dable... And Joe Shane, the general manager, were brought from Buffalo as a duo. Mm -hmm. Are you, if you move on from Brian Dable, are you giving Joe Shane a chance to hire a second head coach? Mm -hmm. Or are you sweeping Brian, or are you sweeping Joe Shane out as well? And and doing something like bringing in a Belichick or a Vrabel and giving them control of the organization, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think a lot of that has to do with how the season unfolds, and and do they feel like do they feel like the roster's not good enough, or do they feel like the coaching was the problem? Mm-hmm. So, but it you know, but it's an interesting conundrum because they brought those guys in together. So do they sweep them out together if it comes to that?
1: Yeah, I I would think so, but uh, I don't know. Um, Let's talk about two more questions here. Is Saquon back? Simple. My
3: my brain, well, let's put it this way. I think he should be back. Hmm. I think the Giants would be smart to bring him back. Listen, he's not the same guy that he was in 2018. I don't think he's that player anymore. No running back is. But when you look at it, he's still the Giants' best skill position player. When when, things, when push comes to shove with for the Giants, when games are close, when things aren't going well, Brian Daybull still turns around and says, we're just going to run everything through 26. We're just going to run everything through Barkley and see if he can carry us. I think that if you could get Saquon to sign a deal that had two years of guaranteed money in it, right? He's still 27. I think he'll be 27 this season. If you could get Saquon to sign a deal that had two years of guaranteed money in it, then then I I don't see why the giants wouldn't do that. Hmm. You know, two years, say two years, 24, something like that. You know, like the franchise tag for him this year would be 12 million. If you could get him to sign two years and 24, then, then I would do that. I don't think he, I don't think he would do that. Hmm. I think he wants more than that. I think he wants more security than that. I think he wants more than the franchise tag. And I had the opportunity to speak with Saquon briefly on Thursday morning and we didn't get into, we didn't get into a lot of the free agency and a lot of the contract stuff, but I asked him cause he always says he'd love to be a giant for life. He loves the giants. He, he loves the city. He loves all of that. And I asked him about that and his answer to me sounded a whole lot like a guy who thinks his time in New York is done. Mm. So that's, so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that Joe Shane said they won't negotiate a contract till the combine. I think the giants are going to lowball Saquon and dare him to go to free agency is what I think is going to happen. And that's, I don't have inside info on that. That's just my guess. And, and my impression from talking to Saquon, is that he thinks his time in New York is done.
1: If you're asking for my opinion, you didn't, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. I think the Giants should, you know, let him test the market at the very least and kind of determine what the market value is, then make a determination from there. You don't need to beat the punch. You don't need to like beat beat the market. And I and I don't have a problem with that either. If if
3: if they want to let him test the market, yep. and if somebody out there Wants to give him, you know, four years and $56 million or whatever, you say, fine, see ya. You know, but if nobody else out there is willing to give him, I think the reports were a year ago that the Giants and Barkley were within a million or two on a contract that had roughly $23 million of guaranteed money over two years. That was the reporting. And if, if that's what the market is for him, I think at this point in time, you can still play in that market. But if the market is 14 or $15 million a
1: year, you don't want to go there. All right, final question. I I forgot to ask you the final, final, or prep you for the final, final question, which is, and I'll say that one now because it'll give you time to think of it. So I I don't think, I don't know if we've been, we've done this with you since you've been on, but like last year, we added this bit to the NFC use mixtape where we have a playlist and we always add a song. It could be any song. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to fit in any box other than it could be something you're listening to recently or a favorite all-time song. It could be from a movie. It doesn't matter. It's just any kind of song that we'll add to the playlist. So I'll, le- I'll let you take some time to think about that before I ask you uh, the final, or as I ask you the final question here, what do the Giants do at quarterback? uh obviously daniel jones is gonna be back but like what else because you know Tyrod taylor is a free agent um so you know they're gonna sign they're gonna add someone else conceivably unless they just run it back with Ty- Tyrod. uh do they draft someone what do they do Ed? oh look i think
3: they sit at six And people are always like, oh my God, why did they win games at the end of the year? Why don't they just, why didn't they just lose games and get the (laughs) second or third pick so they could grab Drake May or Jaden Daniels or whatever? I think they're going to get shut out Mm. from those top three quarterbacks. And honestly, I think they don't have the ability. At least I don't think it would be smart for them to give up what it would cost to move up and go get Drake May. I don't think because that's probably three number one picks. That's probably, you know, a couple of other mid round picks. It's it's a
1: lot. And I don't think the Giants can do that because and I think Do they even have the clearance to do that, right? Like does Joe Shane have the ability to do that? Like, would they allow him to do that? I think I think they would, mm. but
3: again, you know, John Mara loves Daniel Jones mm. and you are operating <laughs> under those parameters. Okay. And I, why, well, it's a good question. I, I think, I think John Mara feels like they just haven't been fair to Daniel Jones over the years. And, and, and I don't know, but I, I still think there's a, I think John Mara would allow Joe Sheen to move on from Daniel Jones. And I answered a mailbag question this way the other day, if he wants to move on from Saquon, or if he wants to move on from Daniel Jones, I think John Mara will let him do that but he darn well better be right. And he darn well better get the replacement right. You know, and Saquon better darn well not go have a 2,000-yard season and lead somebody (laughs) to a Super Bowl. So, you know, so I think that's where it is. But with Daniel Jones, with the quarterback situation, I think the Giants are going to split the middle here. I think they're going to sign a decent veteran quarterback. There's been some chatter about Jacoby Brissett, and I don't know if it's going to be Brissett or, or somebody else but i think maybe it's day 2 maybe it's early day 3 i think you bring in whether it's you know Spencer Rattler or JJ McCarthy or you know whoever's available there you know toward the the latter half of day 2 or early day 3 whatever however that all falls out i think that's maybe what they do is they give themselves they give themselves a veteran who can play if Jones isn't ready and they give themselves a long-term option in case he's terrible.
1: I feel like they have to, because you have to take, oh, this- I don't,
3: I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all because look, Daniel Jones is entering his sixth year with the giants. Wow. And look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a Daniel Jones hater. Okay. Mm. I look at, the 2022 season when Daniel Jones played really well. And I think, I think, you know, there's a good quarterback in there. Can he bring it out all the time? We've seen five years of evidence that tell us the answer to that is no. And what I've said is, look, you're entering year six with Daniel Jones. You're entering the last year that he has in that contract that has guaranteed money in it. Okay. If he comes in 2024 and doesn't play well, you just can't go any farther with him. You just can't. So you have to be prepared. to. You have to have an option beyond Jones after 2024. And, 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 and the reasons for, well, it was the offensive line. It was the receivers. It was the coaching staff. It was the offensive coordinator. It was this or that or the other thing. After five or six years, it doesn't matter anymore. If it's not working, it's not
1: working. Move on and do something else. I agree. And also, it's like, at the end of the day, I know people don't... Some people, I think, get like averse to being like, the quarterbacks get too much credit or whatever. I mean, Patrick Mahomes playing it again in the Super Bowl for a reason. Like, it's not just about the OC or whatever. Like, the quarterback... You pay Jalen Hurts, I always say, a quarter of a billion dollars for a reason. Like, you're doing that for a reason. Is it, like, fair that they have to take all the sometimes when they lose no and obviously it's not literally the only reason but it's not a small reason it's a pretty big reason you don't get paid all that money to not be uh, a big reason for the team's success or the failure so uh and i just think that's you know when you're looking at the lens of daniel jones and like you have to beat patrick mahomes at at some level like or or, you know someone of or the guy who can beat patrick mahomes like that's the standard ultimately that you're being held to if you're wanting to win a championship so it just feels like they're far away right now
3: you You have to be able to at some point in time you have to be able to play above your circumstances,
1: yes, okay, you have yeah. to
3: be able to play above the play call and mm-hmm. and you know, and Daniel Jones hasn't really shown i mean he did a little bit in twenty twenty two he maybe did a little bit as a rookie, but he hasn't shown the ability to do that consistently mm-hmm. and and like I said, at some point, the reasons why it's not working don't matter. You just have to say, it's not working. We can't keep, you know, banging our head. We can't keep doing the Gus for rot thing and banging our head against the wall. You know,
1: we, you got to move on. And RJ likes to give me credit for this, but sometimes you, you don't need to only make moves based on how your division rivals feel and everything. That's not the only thing you should do but you should consider it. You should consider how do our opponents feel about us making this move. And I think I speak for everyone in the NFC. So when it's like the giants are extending Daniel Jones, they're keeping Daniel Jones. We're okay with that. We'd rather him have Daniel Jones than quarterback X, who might be way better than Daniel Jones. So I, I do think, let me just say this
3: quickly. I do think the situation, the giants were in after that 2022 season, I think Joe Shane was surprised by, I happened to ask him about it and, and i said to him when he signed jones i asked him i said did you think when you took this job that you would be here a year later signing daniel jones to this contract hmm. and he said no <laughs> he said no he said well clearly if i picked up his option he said clearly i he said i i would have picked up his option absolutely would have picked up the fifth year option if i had if i had thought this was going to happen and he didn't do that but but which i thought was the right decision not to pick up that option but what choice did the giants have coming off of a playoff season what choice did they really have did they have the choice to tell daniel jones to go somewhere else and and basically you know blow it up i'm not sure they felt like they had that choice i think they felt like they sort of they sort of played the middle ground by giving jones only 2 years of guaranteed money I don't think they felt like they had the choice to,
1: to blow it up and go draft a quarterback in the first round and, and start over. All right. Well, Ed, before I let you go, as I mentioned, you have to pick a song here to add to the NFC East mixtape playlist. Do you have any song, again, any song? You have a, a, an infinite range to pick from.
3: Well, I'm going to go old school That's because I'm an old guy. I'm going to go old school. I'm a Springsteen guy.
1: Wow, okay. I'm gonna
3: go old school. And I'm gonna drop Born to Run.
1: Okay, perfect. I'm writing that down as I speak. Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen, Asbury Park's own, New Jersey's own Bruce Springsteen. A big trope among uh, sports writers is that they're all Bruce Springsteen fans. I'm not as much of a Bruce guy. I don't hate Bruce. I'm not anti-Bruce. I just don't like get the fervor. But uh, I also, you know, well, there's a big difference it's, between it's, our ages. So. It's,
3: It's it's an amazing amazing thing with Bruce Springsteen for a guy who quite honestly doesn't really sing that well. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. You know it. It's just it's amazing. Just I'm always amazed. I've seen him twice in concert. I've seen him twice, and I'm just I'm amazed by the energy that he puts into it, and by the way that 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 audiences connect to him.
1: He does have one of the best Christmas songs, which is obviously Santa Claus. His version of Santa Claus is coming to town. I, I love that one. So that's probably that's that's honestly my favorite Bruce Springsteen song. I think it's great. There you go. Okay, uh, Ed. Thanks again right. for joining us. Uh, where can the people find you?
3: Oh, of course, BigBlueView.com. dot com um, at bigblueview on on the platform formerly known as Twitter. Big Blue View YouTube channel, Big Blue View Instagram page, all those good things. You can probably find Big Blue View just about everywhere except TikTok, because I'm too old to deal with that.
1: <laughs> Honestly, same. All right, Ed, we'll talk to you next time.
3: All righty, take care.
1: I told you that we had two great guests, and I think they delivered. I'm obviously biased, but hey. Uh, we, RJ and I will get more into you know Eagles, Cowboys discussion as we do. When he, if he, you know, if he decides that he's good enough to return to the show, then we will get it into all of those happenings this coming week here after the Super Bowl. So that will be back. Don't you worry. But for now, I thought it was a good time to check in on the other team since you know they haven't necessarily had the well. The Commanders have had a obviously an, a, an eventful off season uh, after the hirings. So okay. Anyway, what do we have left here? We have the fact that there's a Super Bowl this weekend, and RJ and I, I believe, are both picking the Chiefs. It would not really be fun if the 49ers won this. The 49ers are just not very rootable, I would say, especially from the Eagles' perspective. Well, and the Cowboys, too, since the Cowboys can never beat them. So with all due respect to our good friend Rob stats Carrera, who I will be happy for because Stats is a great guy. Uh, But I will not be happy for any other 49ers fans, really, other than, you know, SB Nation-affiliated people, as RJ mentioned last week. So hopefully the Chiefs win because who cares? I know people have Chiefs fatigue, but the 49ers winning would be more painful. So hopefully 49ers do not win. We'll have more analysis of the big game, quote-unquote, on the SB Nation NFL show on Friday. Me and Steven Serta, RJ Ducking, another show. Just me and Steven. That's fine. We have a fun over-under game that you can play along with if you want to join in on the fun. So check that out. Songs. That's how we end the podcast here, by adding songs to the NFC East Mixtape playlist, which you can check out in the description, the episode description on whatever podcast you're listening to. There should be a link to the, the playlist there. We obviously have our guest additions to the playlist. In addition to that, we are going to throw it to Ray Shell here, who is going with the theme of the Super Bowl and halftime performer. We're going with Usher. She is picking Superstar by him. Strong pick by Ray Shell. No pick from RJ because he's not here. I am going to add a song from a 12 minute long song from a band that I saw in person. One time when I went to go see my friend uh, Patrick Wall, BGN alumnus, and his band Queen of Jeans, I went to a concert where uh, they were the openers. And then after them came out this band that I never had heard of before, but really liked them, called La Dispute. That's L.A. space Dispute the last la, the last lost continent a little bit of a tongue twister for me there the last lost continent that's my song 12 minute song cool instrumentals vocals might not be everyone's cup of tea in terms of a little bit more harsher i wouldn't say screamo but they're they're closer to a little bit of a harsher sound but i think stick with it i really like the instrumentals in that song uh and the lyrics and everything so give it a try or don't it's up to you in any case RJ and i will be back for a more normal traditional nfc east mixtape episode next week so we will talk to you then
0: businesses have always needed customers so customer engagement has always been a thing you know steak dinners golf in-person handshakes not exactly efficient though But thanks to ZoomInfo, times have changed. Now you can engage with the right customers across all channels and grow your business efficiently and effectively, all from one platform. Sorry, steak dinner guy. We've got work to do. Unlock insights. Engage customers. Win faster at ZoomInfo.com. ZoomInfo. How business goes to market.